0: Well, today we're having announcements ahead of time because we get to enjoy the Lord's communion together. So uh, I'd ask those guys to please come forward. They're going to take up the offering. Please, at this time, all the prayer requests and everything you've wrote on those cards. This is a time that we're going to put that in. Let's pray for the offering right now, and we'll pass that, and I'll finish up the announcements. Lord, we thank You for this new year. We thank You for Jesus. Thank You for being in our lives. Thank You for being in control. Help us to see all the joy You have for us in the new year. You know, some things seem like it's, it's, it's work and toil, but if it's in You, Lord, there's a perfect peace that comes along with that. Take this offering, multiply it, use it as You would have see fit, Lord. And help us just to be good stewards of what we have and what you've given to us. We pray these things in the Lord's name. Amen. Okay, we got some few announcements. Tomorrow is what? Monday? It's also First Monday prayer. So everybody that can, please come at 7 o'clock. We're not going to force you into praying with everybody else and you know, put you out in front of everybody to pray. It's just a real informal gathering of believers that want to pray for this church, pray for each other, and pray for those in need. So let's do that tomorrow night at 7. Okay, tomorrow, even though it's First Monday Prayer, the church office is going to be closed on Monday. Next week, though, guys, invite friends. Come get your cholesterol fixed. Next Saturday, we're going to have men's breakfast. Oh, it's the week after. Okay, well get ready to do that. I saw it here on the announcements. Okay, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, we're going to meet here Saturday anyway, so you're not going to get out of it. We're We're going to put up all the Christmas stuff. You know, you hate to do that. It's kind of a sad time to take down all the Christmas stuff. But it needs to be done. So let's get here and, how do you say it, Pastor Mike? Lots of hands make for easy work. Many hands make light work. work. Let's help each other in that. Then the following week we'll feed you for your cholesterol fix. So you got two weeks to invite somebody to come with you, all you men. Let's be here. Let's have fun. It's great fellowship. We pray for one another. And we just have a great time eating stuff we shouldn't. Okay, then the following week after that, on the 22nd, we're going to have our annual business meeting. We'd love for everyone to attend, but only those that are actual members can vote on the budget. It's a time to ask questions. It's a time to enjoy each other's fellowship and to see what God has planned for us in this new year. I believe that's about it on the uh, announcements. Pastor Mike, we'll let you come up here and. Give us some words of inspiration.
1: Thank you, Mo. Happy New Year. Happy New Year Year to those of you who are joining us online. Uh, There was one other thing. Did we get that clipboard passed out? You're all so far ahead of me. You know, I love the idea of New Year, twenty. 23, and what, what really excites me about it is um, it doesn't matter what you believe or don't believe, faith you belong to, where you live in the, in the, on this planet, our days are marked by the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a year 2023 because 2023 years ago, and maybe it's not exactly accurate, but that, that's what it is. Every single event in your life, your birthday, every significant thing is marked in accordance to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's, I don't know, it just kind of whoa, gets me going. No matter where you live, China. You know, I was, I was looking at China and their New Year's Day is on January the 22nd, I think it is, because they follow a different calendar. But I thought it was so neat that it said, we do New Year's on January the 22nd, 2023. Yeah, 2023 years from the birth of Christ. It doesn't matter what, you're still marking it off. So I love that. Um, and, And so something that's kind of odd for us here this morning is that We are actually ending the series that we began in 2022 this morning at the beginning of 2023. It's kind of like the beginning and the end all at the same time. It's a weird place that we've landed. And uh, we've been studying the book of Ephesians in a series called Living by the Spirit. And kind of a beginning and end thing, when, when Paul begins the study in Ephesians, he talks about the Spirit, and what it means to be spiritually mature. So that's the beginning of the letter. And then right around at the end of the letter, at the piece that we're going to look at today, he brings it back around to the spiritual again. And, and we're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture. I've got my armor of God shirt on that pretty much everybody knows about. You know, you get fancy little plaques. I've got them in my office in suits of armor with all the armor of God on it. It's probably one of the most read and talked about passages in in all of the scripture. And it's a really good one. I've done a series on this before. We're going to do the whole thing this morning. We're going to break it down verse by verse and, and finish up this passage in Ephesians on the armor of God. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for your holy presence with us. Father, I thank you as we look to the new year ahead of us, 2023, and all of the opportunities, all of the excitement, everything that that means. It's like a blank canvas before us, Father. And I pray for each and every one of us that we wouldn't grab the brush, that we would let you paint the picture of what this year is going to look like in our lives, and that we would pursue the picture that you paint for us. So, Father, this morning as we come here to talk about spiritual maturity, I pray that you would just take away any distractions, any of those things that get in the way. Open our eyes to your truth, that we would not just be informed, but we would be transformed. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to get going here, I want to just talk about wisdom for a minute. You know, knowledge is important, right? It's good to know stuff you can appear smart when you know stuff, but it's good to know stuff, but there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom, and I've preached on this many times, if you want to get a really simple definition of what wisdom is, wisdom is the right use of knowledge, now this is important this morning, so I'm going to get us all to say that together, okay, on the count of three, wisdom is the right use of knowledge, are you ready? Let's see just how awake and participatory you are. One, two, three. Good. Now you've said it. You've heard it. That's kind of planted in your mind for a little bit here. We'll, we'll circle back around to that a little bit later. It, you know, <laughs> let me dig that a second. The fool sees the sign that says wet paint and has to touch and see. Right? They got the knowledge wet paint, but they don't have the wisdom to not touch. The wise person sees the sign and they heed the sign. The fool reads the word of God. He gets instruction from God. He gets direction from God and chooses not to do it. The wise person reads what God has said, seeks where God is leading, and follows the plan of God. Even if it's risky and even if it's scary, they live by faith. That is spiritual wisdom. And we all need to be spiritually wise. It's not enough just to have knowledge. So let's dive into this passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. I'm going to break down each verse. I'm going to dissect each verse a little bit and then we'll we'll tie it up. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So Paul says a final word. Closing up my letter here. Be strong in the Lord and in His Mighty power. Now, this is something that you need. We need to understand here. For those who have chosen Jesus, who have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their lives, they've invited Jesus in to forgive sins, and, they, and they're a follower of Jesus. For those people, you have available to you through the power of the Holy Spirit in you both the strength of God and the power of God, and that is a massive thing. That is a huge thing. I don't know what you might be facing this coming year sometimes. You know, you get to the beginning of the year and some people are hopeful and some people are looking ahead and they're just worried. Maybe you've got health issues going on. Personal health issues or someone you love has health issues and and you're just wondering. Really serious stuff sometimes. You look at Christmas and you think, is this this the last Christmas I'm going to have with them? And that's heavy things. Maybe you've got Relational issues going on. A son or a daughter that's going off the deep end, a marriage that you're struggling with, some other relational issue. You could have work issues. You could have financial issues. You could have all kinds of emotional issues going on. Life is filled with issues. If you don't have an issue right now, there's an issue coming soon. It's like a bus. They just keep coming. But here is one thing that you can guarantee. Here's one thing that you know for certain. No matter what you face, you do not face it alone. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not follow it alone. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. He has promised that. And his strength and his power is with you. Giving you the ability to ride out the storm. You know, I don't feel like me. Sometimes I pray that God will end the storm. I pray about the storm. God, oh gosh, this thing I'm going through, God, can't you just end it? But God never promised to end our storms, but he did promise to be with us in our storms so that we can ride those storms out in his strength and in his power. Paul continues. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, this is a little disconcerting to me. The devil strategizes against us. He has an army of demons at his command. And just like angels, you know, we talked about this a few months ago. Some of these are visible, some of these are invisible. And and Satan is not ever, I don't think, ever going to come to you the way the movies you pick them. He's far too subtle, far too smart for any of that stuff. You're not going to see anybody's head rotate 360 degrees. But those demons can masquerade as a person, and they're watching. They could be watching you. They're looking for vulnerabilities. They're looking for weaknesses. Some of them are visible, some of them are invisible. I don't want to freak you out, but that's just the reality of, of what is going on here in this spiritual warfare. And 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 they're taking notes so that he can come up with a strategy for you to fail. He is miserable. you heard the saying, misery loves company. He wants you to be miserable. He wants to, to separate you, to isolate you, to desperate you, if that's a word. To lure you into a false sense of security, to lure you into apathy, to lure you into complacency. He loves nothing more than for the people around him to not believe any of this stuff. To not believe in him, to not believe in God, or to believe in a a false reality. To not believe in all of this spiritual stuff. That's a tactic that Satan uses. Or even a twisted truth, a more palatable truth a more reasonable truth. He is the father of liars and he strategizes against you and against me and against this church and against all of God's people. His fate is set and he wants to take as many with him as possible because he knows how much that hurts the Lord. The Lord has said, it's not my desire that one should perish, not one. So Satan wants to take as many as he can. It's just evil. That's why it is vital to stay close, to stay in Christian community. There is strength in numbers. That's why we have the church. The church is the body of Christ. We need to be together. Don't allow yourself to be lured away for any reason. Well, I don't like the way they do the music. Well, I don't like it. She spoke to me like this, and I'm just so upset now. And... That's Satan. Don't allow him to do that to you. You've got, And here's something else that we need to be aware of. You can be in church and still be alone. You have to be connected. You must be connected. So Paul continues on. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly world. Places That's pretty ugly, isn't it? The dark battle is played out in every dimension. The physical world, the spiritual world, the seen and the unseen, everywhere. And we're all in it. He says, "...therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm." Now, that's a great promise. If we gird ourselves with all that the Lord equips us with, in His power and His strength, we will resist the enemy. That's what He's saying here. You put on this armor, you will resist the enemy. We will stand firm to the end. Now, doesn't that sound like fighting words? It's an aggressive passage of Scripture. Who puts on armor? Warriors. Warriors. Soldiers, right? Police officers put on armor. So you could be excused, you know, as you read a passage of Scripture like this, it's comforting, and yet, in some ways, it might be, I don't see myself as that person. I don't see myself as the armor-clad warrior out there doing battle with the demons. I'd rather just hang out in the corner over there if it's okay just nice and quiet and just watch <laughs> the problem with that is this this is a battle that involves everybody not just warriors everybody it's like the war in ukraine you know i often think about all of the innocent people the children that you know a year ago were going to school like Our kids go to school, and now they've got rockets flying over their heads. And as much as they'd like to be in the corner out of it, you can't be in the corner and out of it. Because it's a war. Now, there's something that's important about this passage of Scripture. This isn't simply for the warrior. It's for the weak and the vulnerable. The Lord strengthens and empowers all who come to him. I love that passage in Isaiah. I was going to wear the Isaiah shirt and I went with the armor of God. Isaiah 40, it's one of my favorite passages. Have you never heard? I love the way Isaiah writes this. Have you never heard? It's like, wake up. Have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. That's who this is focused on. Even youths, even the strong ones will grow tired and weak weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Anybody want new strength? Some new strength would be good, wouldn't it? You trust in the Lord. He renews your strength. He brings you back. I was talking to a lady. This week in my office and she's been out of church for a number of years and and she was just telling, she was saying to me, I remember when I was at church and I just how I felt. I felt so much better. I felt so much stronger and I got to get back to that. And that's what this is talking about. He will renew your strength. You turn back to him. It's like, man, I got something good for you. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I want that. I want that. I want to be able to... You know, you get older. The stupidest little things, you know. I find if I carry the Christmas tree out to the garage, I need a rest. (laughs) Coffee break. (laughs) Coffee break. Heart doctor saying, Don't drink so much coffee. Yeah, right. It's so anything. It keeps me going. <sighs> the Lord wants to strengthen all of his people, especially the weak, especially the powerless, especially the weary. And his word is, is you can do it in my strength, in my power. You can overcome through me. So Paul continues, he says, Stand your ground. Ooh putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So I've grouped the three of them together. And Paul is painting a picture to me. He's painting a picture of the virtues of Christianity. When you put all of these things together, truth... Righteousness, peacefulness, faithfulness. It's an attractive combination. It's a powerful combination. This is God's armor. When your life is grounded in truth, you know who God is. You know the the hope that you have in God. You know the power that you have in God. When Jesus is your righteousness and you're not your righteousness, When, when your goal is to have peace in your life and peace in other people's lives and you are faithful, Satan's fiery arrows are not going to come through to you. He will still be firing them at you. You'll still have stuff going on in your life, just the same as your neighbor. But the way you deal with it and the way your neighbor deals with it, if they don't have Jesus, is completely different. This is good stuff if we take it and do it. He carries on. He says, put on salvation as your helmet. Helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Salvation is your helmet. What does a helmet protect? Your head. What's in your head? Your brain. It's the thinking center, right? It's how you think. To have salvation as your helmet means that you live in a hope that is beyond the here and now. I think differently because this is not home. I don't live for this. I got something better to live for. This is temporary. We hang on to life, don't we? I tell you what, it's been a rough, rough month. A lot of prayers been going up for sick people. And so they should. And we want our loved ones to be with us. But sometimes I think, you know, when somebody is is just clinging on for life and we're praying for them, don't take this the wrong way, but I just sometimes I wonder, what are we praying to save them from? Eternity with Jesus? Oh, no, no, let's put that off. There's a weird dichotomy that that goes on, you know? But, wow. When you're living a kingdom life, you think differently. When you get it that, that Jesus is your salvation, you think differently. You live differently. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Jesus is the Word of God. He, <laughs> I, I love this—the fact that Jesus is the Word of God. So we got the Word of God in the Bible, and we got Jesus as the Word of God. And and what Jesus says is truth, not because it's truth, but because He said it. He is truth. You know, I love it when 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 Satan was tempting Jesus, and he and he. I had to tempt him to change the stones into bread. And I've always had this image. If Jesus were to change those stones into bread, they would become bread. Not because of some fantastic miracle. They would be bread because Jesus said they're bread. It's, it's an awesome thing. He owns the words. And he is the word. John one one says, In the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. He spoke creation into existence. This is the power of words. That's your sword, His Word. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There is power in God's Word. His Word will overcome the darkness in your life, but you've got to get that light in you. Verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Tomorrow, Mo announced its first Monday prayer. What a great way to begin the new year. I'm going to invite you all. Let's have the biggest prayer meeting that we've had tomorrow. 2009. I know it's a day off. It's a day off for me. I'll be here to pray. And I want to invite you to come and pray about what God is going to do in your life in my life, in this church, this year. Mark it on your calendar. Seven o'clock tomorrow, come and be a part of prayer. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, it doesn't mean to pray in tongues or some spiritual languages as some people interpret that to mean. I, I don't believe it means that. Praying in the Spirit isn't so much about what you pray or say. It's about how you pray. It's about the heart. It's about the attitude. Seeking the guidance and the, and the leading of the Spirit. Praying with a right heart. Very often when I pray, I begin my prayer by asking that God would, would allow His Spirit to direct the very words that I pray. Romans 8.26 tells us that we don't even know what to pray. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The Spirit is praying in a spirit language. We don't need to. We can pray in English or whatever your mother tongue is. And look at Paul's instructions here. Pray at all times, on every occasion, stay alert, and be persistent. There's a great, pattern for prayer there. Pray at all times. Does that mean that you're in prayer continuously throughout the day? You're in an attitude of prayer throughout the day. Something comes along, first thing that goes through your mind, pray. Go pray about that. On every occasion, you ever been in one of those situations where you know you ought to pray but you're uncomfortable about it because of maybe other people in the room. I know there have been times when I've dodged prayer and I've come away from it thinking, man, I should have prayed then. And there's been other times when I've stepped out in faith and I'm kind of nervous because I don't know, you know what, I don't want to make these people uncomfortable. And I worry about what they think about me. Sorry, God. But you do a prayer, you say, do you mind if I pray? And all of a sudden their eyes light up and say, oh, please. It's like, thank you, God. On every occasion, stay alert. What do we need to stay alert for? Are you alert? Who's falling asleep? I'm watching you. Stay alert means be watchful. Look for opportunities. Look for reasons to pray. You know, I've shared with you many times, water cooler prayers. You're at work and you're, you're at the water cooler and someone's having a conversation with you. And I remember one time I've shared this many times with a young fellow that that was having some problems and... He shared with me and I just said, Do you mind if I pray for you? Oh yes, please. And it got serious, and over a period of time it turned out he had an S. But in the process of all that, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Because it started off with, can I pray for that? Be alert and be persistent. Don't give up in your prayers. I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed. I don't think God ever listens to me. I don't know what's going on. He doesn't answer my prayers ever. Be persistent. Keep on praying. And Paul makes it specific for all believers everywhere. So that means you pray for you. You pray for me. And you pray for everyone else who is a believer. That God would be active in their lives, that they would be active in their lives for God. Then he makes it really specific. He says, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words. So I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Boldly. Pray for me to have courage to boldly. Wouldn't it be great if we were all bold? Bold for Jesus? Pushing the light into the darkness? He concludes, he says, I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And I love that little passage because, you know, Paul's in prison. And what he's really saying here is it doesn't matter about the circumstances that you find yourself in. God can use you. No matter what your circumstance, God can use you. And Paul may be thinking, you know, I can't get out there. He's planted all of these churches through Greece and Turkey. He's on trips. He's going there to to strengthen these churches. And now he's in prison. And, you know, in his mind, that ministry is over. I'll write a letter to them. And his letters have been the greatest evangelical tool since Jesus. I mean, wow. To bring you up to date, Tychius will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. We all need, and we all need to be, a beloved brother, a beloved sister, an encourager, and we all need to be encouraged. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. What a wonderful combination. Love and faithfulness. What a sweet way for him to end his letter. May God's grace be eternally eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me finish up here. And then we're going to go to communion. Some steps to spiritual wisdom. What's the definition of wisdom? The right right use of knowledge. Okay? Wisdom is the right use of knowledge there. Spiritual wisdom begins with knowing God. We learn to know God as we experience God. There's this weird faith thing that goes on. You need faith to have faith. To, 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 to live and know God, you have to experience God. So there's this sense that, well, I have to trust him before I get the trust. say, like, oh, that's kind of scary. It's a weird thing, and it can only be done in the Holy Spirit. That's why living by the Spirit is so important. So I'm going to share with you seven spiritual truths about knowing and experiencing God. Now, these are biblically-based truths, but they come from a wonderful book by a man called Henry Blackaby, who wrote a book years ago called Experiencing God. And uh, just great stuff. Now, I'm going to give you the seven. I'm going to go through them really quickly. You might be tempted to take notes, and you can if you want to. We will be going back over these in the coming months, okay? But let me throw them at you. Number one, God is always at work around you. God's not taking Sunday off. He's not going on vacation. He doesn't take a nap. He is always at work around you. Number two, God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Look at the words here. He pursues. He's chasing you. He's coming after you. He wants a relationship with you that is real and personal. Number three, God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Every act of work that God does, he does through somebody. There's not somebody just appears and and something happens. He does it through people. Number four, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. You can know God's will for your life. Number five, God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief That requires faith and action.
0: Oh, don't like that.
1: Can I just be cozy? Cozy Christianity? It gets worse. Number six. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. You don't get to stand in the corner and hide. We're all part of this. And number seven. You come to know God by experience as you obey him, and he accomplishes his work through you. Now, that's a lot of stuff that I've thrown at you this morning. It's not wisdom. It's information at this point. It is knowledge. What we do with that information determines how spiritually wise we are going to be in this coming year. Here's what I want you to do with the information right now. Tomorrow's first Monday prayer. I've already invited you, but I want you to begin praying. I want you to begin thinking about what does God want to accomplish in my life this year? What does he want to do in me? What does he want to do through me? What does he want to do to me? How can I take steps of faith this year? Begin praying about that. And that's kind of what we're going to unwrap as we go through this year. And what needs to happen to make that a reality? So this is big. Because I believe that God wants to do big things in your life. I believe that God wants to do big things in my life. I believe that God wants to do big things in this church through us. But it only happens... When we surrender ourselves to God and say, yes. So that's a process. You're going to pray? You're going to pray? Are you sure? Sounds like a good deal. This morning, we're going to begin this process by communing with God and with one another.
0: There we go. Now, being old, I'm going to have to hold this, but I wanted to set up communion for you. Okay, during this time, right before communion, that the Lord set up the Lord's Supper, it's Passover time, okay? So He tells the disciples, I want you to go and prepare a place for the feast of the Passover. Passover for the Feast of Tabernacles to Passover. And so they set this place up. And so just picture, you know, these guys are all sitting around. They're their close friends. And they're having a good old time. They're eating. They're celebrating. And then Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Wow. Can you imagine the silence that happened? And each of them were saying... That, is it me, Lord? Is it me? And he says the one that first dipped with me it's him, and so it was Judas. But can you imagine from a festive time to a just quiet? And here's what Jesus said. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. Blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink it, drink from it. All of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Just think about that for for a minute. For many, for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out of the Mount of Olives. Okay, well, those that are going to help me with the communion, please come up. So think about it. He drops a bombshell on them. One of you is going to betray me. And they find out who it is. And then he says, now, take this bread and take this cup. For this is my body and my blood for the remission of many people that are going to sin. In other words, from now on, this is going to take care of it. Many times we go through this as a ritual. We need to take to heart of our own lives to personally examine ourselves before we partake of the bread and the cup. That we're in the right mind, in the right place with the Lord. It's better to not take it than to take it with the wrong heart. So we're going to pray for that and then i asked that you would come up here and get it so let me let me pass this out and then i'll pray Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give You thanks for this cup, for this bread. Thank You for what they represent, Lord. We just pray that as we take it, we've looked at our own self, looked at our lives, looked at what we've done, what we haven't done, what we could do. Lord, help us to be closer to You in this. We just pray that the Holy Spirit will lead our prayer so that we can say the things that we mean in our heart, but we can't really do it. But the Holy Spirit interprets for us. We pray and we just thank you for this communion in Jesus' name. Okay, now I'd ask if you, you could just come up and get the, the bread and the cup and go back to your seat and we'll take it all together. Lord Jesus, as we take this bread, we thank You for the broken body that You sacrificed for us on the cross. In Jesus' name. In the same way, we take the cup. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your blood that You shed to forgive us of our sins and for those that are to come after this as a remission for their sins. Thank You for this cup. You know, many times this this time of year, whenever we have communion, we celebrate not only the communion with the Lord, but we like to Give to those that are less fortunate. Now, this is a gift that you're giving that it doesn't go towards the budget. It doesn't go to pay the light bill here at the church. But we see so many people that come to the church that maybe have lost their job. They're just having a really tough time. And that all that money that you give, it always seems to go just far enough for the need. Because God is good and everything that we give Him he uses it in the way that He should. So, uh, as you go, not only tell people about the love that Jesus has for you in this new year, but give something to help those in need. Because God has blessed us so much that it just it's overwhelming sometimes how good He blesses us. So I'm going to ask that you stand. And we're going to be dismissed. Let me say this prayer over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift His face towards you and give you peace. For we pray these things that all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great 2023. See you tomorrow at 7.